0: Welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with female thought leaders, experts, and founders. We will be digging deep while sharing experience, insights, and tips for busy Generation X women seeking ways to strip back, simplify, live intentionally, and create space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tamu Thomas, founder of the 360 brand. Welcome to episode 25 episode 25. Well, technically it's episode 28 because I have done three monologue episodes. Have you listened to them? What do you think? Let me know. Um, And before I go into today's episode, I would just like to remind you that on the 1st of May, it is my business first anniversary and I will be having a live podcast event where I will be doing a short monologue and then I will be in deep delicious conversation with Jessica Huey. And I'd absolutely love you to come along and celebrate. There are a few tickets left. Um, It will be taking place um, at Bank & Bow, which is very close to Allgate Tube Station. Check out my website for information. And speaking of Bank & Bow, I will be having my third Everyday Joy Day Retreat there on the 8th of June. Um, And we will be focusing on everyday pleasure. Again, go to my website for more details on that. Now, to today's episode, I am in conversation with a lovely lady called Avni Trevedi. She is an experienced osteopath, doula, and zero balancer. Now, if you want to know what an osteopath, doula, and zero balancer are, you'll just have to listen to the episode. Um, this conversation with Avni was really nourishing. She is so intuitive and she has such a lovely, calm, safe presence and really nurturing too. And I know that I often say that I have had a nourishing or nurturing conversation on this podcast, but that's what happens. And I, I really believe that because I am... Really welcoming nourishment and nurturing into my life, that is what I'm attracting. Anyway, back to Abney. Um, her approach brings together Eastern philosophy and Western medicine, um, bridging the relationship between body and mind. A very 360 approach, if you will. Um, Avani's work includes using the healing power of touch to work with the body and energy system to provide holistic treatment that enables deeper connection and also assists with dealing with ailments and issues that aren't tangible but are really there, you know, like issues that are generated by these stressful, toxic lives that we live, Um the sort of ailments that are quite niggly, and we leave until they become real issues instead of slowing down and listening to our bodies. Um, It was such a lovely conversation. This intro has already been too long because I was promoing my stuff, which I do hope you check out. So I'm going to stop there and go straight into the episode. It was really, really lovely to speak to Avni and I definitely... And you know, this isn't an ad, I'm just talking, um, something I love to do. But I, I really am going to invest in having a treatment with her because in speaking to her and connecting dots and actually taking time to slow down and consider what I'm welcoming into my life, like touch is one of those things. I didn't realize how important it was until I slowed down and had the opportunity to think about the things that make me feel alive. Anywho, I've added another minute on probably. So, over to this week's episode with Avni. Enjoy. So, Avni, hello.
1: Hello. Thank you for such a warm introduction. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I've been practising as an osteopath for about 15 years this year, and before that, I started off training to be a physiotherapist and just was not into being in a hospital or being in a hierarchy and... But I just didn't know any better when I was picking my aliens and subjects when I was younger. Um, I have a kind of army of things that I do that are from the more energy medicine side of things, but I really like working hands on with the body and helping people to feel calm and still. Um, and a lot of the women that I work with are coming either before or during their pregnancies, and I treat newborn babies. so I've got a big passion of supporting families at mm. that really kind of precious time of life.
0: That sounds absolutely wonderful. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to talk specifically, well, specifically and whatever else comes up about learning to listen to your body when you're a busy high achiever with lots of personal and professional responsibility a lot Mm -hmm. of the women that listen to this podcast are in their late 30s early 40s are somewhere in their career or lives where they have a lot of responsibility um Quite a few of them are freelancers and self employed, and we talk a lot about integrating wellness. but my experience of myself and the conversations I have with um, the women around this podcast are that our lives are so loud that is very difficult for us to listen to our bodies talking and physical niggles, as you describe on your website, are often ignored until they become issues. So actually, I'm going to park that one side, I'm going to come back to that. Could you explain actually what your role is as an osteopath um, doula and zero balancer? Because I thought that osteopathy was to do with
1: the bones? Lots of people say that and osteopathy is to do with the bones but it's also to do with anything to do with the body so looking at the circulatory system or looking at the hormones and so much of the kind of lifestyle of someone comes into what you're doing so it's it is a holistic approach. Lots of people come and see an osteopath originally because of some form of like bad back or shoulder pain or something like that but especially with working with women I think a lot of what I treat has a stress component, and it's getting people to really listen to their bodies and, and be much more in tune. So I'm probably more holistic than a lot of osteopaths in my kind of field. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone everyone treats in a way that expresses themselves really. So you know that's why I bring my personal interest in the more eastern approach into what I do. Yeah. Um, and becoming a doula was. Um I, I came to that at the end of training to treat children. And when you treat babies and children, a lot of the birth story and the pregnancy is really relevant. Um, and then I became interested in, well, how do we support that to be a good experience? Because mm-hmm. a lot of the babies I treat haven't had a good experience into the world. Um, so with, with doularing, you're really holding the space and being with a woman and helping her face whatever her vulnerabilities and her fears are. So I, I think I have that approach, regardless of whether I'm supporting at a birth, but just helping someone to be with, you know, whatever's really going on, which, like you say, for highly successful people or people who are kind of thriving in some ways, often there's a disconnect from the body. So, you know, people get used to being up in their head or having a to do list or going, you know, fast all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's not always conducive to being well.
0: Absolutely. Uh, thank. And, and what is um, zero balancing?
1: Zero balancing is it's a, it's a very kind of refined type of bodywork that I'm really, really passionate about. It was created by a guy who's now in his 90s and he's an American osteopath and doctor and acupuncturist. And he grew up with a dad who was a chiropractor. So he'd had touch in a really positive and pure way his entire life. And it's it's like a cross between osteopathy and acupuncture. So you, you work on the body and you're treating the skeleton and the energy system at the same time. Um, and as well as helping people with aches and pains or headaches and things like that, it's good for people going through times of change or like, say, a separation or a house move or things like that. So things that show up in the body, but you Mm -hmm. don't always see a connection. Um, And because it's so refined, it's really good for people, say, who do yoga or who dance or have that type of deeper connection with their body or Mm -hmm. people who feel disconnected and want to reconnect. So, yeah, it's a lovely type of bodywork. work. Mm
0: absolutely and I know from my own personal experience that um when I was at my the height of being disconnected touch was something that felt very vulnerable for me Mm -hmm. and more that I the more that I have explored where my isms have come from the more I value touch um and, and sometimes it's just something like during conversation, perhaps somebody just touching my shoulder briefly. I don't know, it just makes me feel seen and mm-hmm. that energy moving backwards and forwards. Because um, sometimes I feel like I've just got all of this energy inside me and I don't know where to place it. And that mm-hmm. simple act of another human being touching me can literally just help that energy move rather mm-hmm. than just remain going round and round um something that i was reading about was um about how um in western society at least um around about the 19th century we really moved into a culture of positive positivism where literally everything needed to be backed up with science and solid evidence otherwise it wasn't real um so we're just compelled to seek evidence for things and thinking about my own experience of being disconnected and becoming quite ill what was what for me was quite ill um, I realized that a lot of me dismissing my ailments and and sort of like going back into the thing about being a high achiever with um growing personal and professional responsibility because there was no like real solid thing other than I'm busy, I'm a mum, therefore I am going to be fatigued, therefore I am going to be tired all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was my evidence. So I clung on to that without exploring any other possibility. And human beings, we have so many things that can't be explained. Mm-hmm. Um, what can we, And and you know, there's that thing that we think things are like, woo-woo or hippie or you know oh it's also Mm. spiritual it doesn't make sense um what can we learn from eastern practices in that regard um so i'm thinking about allowing ourselves to explore things that on the surface don't make sense
1: um i'm i mean i come from an indian background and i i grew up with having both of my grandmas at home at different times of our life so I really feel like I've personally had that richness that comes with that. So um, things like my grandma would put oil in my hair regularly and massage it. So there's the thing of the touch and then also using oils, putting herbs in oils, helping to grow kind of hair that's longer and thicker and healthier. Um, And then also when she was very elderly, I used to comb her hair for her and massage her and everything. So I, I think families that have that type of physical touch tend to be much closer and much more kind of connected with one another Mm um and in that type of family unit everyone matters it doesn't matter how old someone is or you know everyone is kind of part of this little tribe or community Um, in traditional indian medicine there's lots of daily practices like in ayurveda abhyanga which is the kind of self-massage so you know oiling your body every day it's a good way of checking in with how you're how you're doing and even for someone who's really busy you know that you're still going to have a shower or you're still going to put on some form of body cream or lotion so those are the little moments that you can have as a kind of ritual for yourself because I think in society we have this thing of busy is like this badge of honor so like people think it's indulgent to slow down or take care of themselves or it's something that is a luxury item you know for someone who's got time on their hands or they can just spend the whole day in the spa and really it's the tiny little things that you know I'm working with a teacher at the moment who just gets us to have a nice pot of tea and you just sit there and you're connecting with your senses just for that moment and that's you know I'm, I'm good at self-care but I don't find it easy just to sit there when I could be doing my emails or you know doing some chores um, but those those daily practices I think are are great in eastern approaches Mm -hmm. how you even um set the space how you kind of um use incense and things like that to just make the home feel sacred you know those tiny little things which which growing up here but coming from an Indian background from East Africa I always feel like that's part of my reconnection with myself is some of those things now that I'm older and don't live under my parents roof I just I don't have as much of that in my day to day so I'm, I'm really having to kind of track backwards of what did I grow up with why was it done especially when you know my my mum doesn't always have an explanation of why certain rituals were done because she's just grown up mm-hmm. in a culture where it was you know it was just on repeat yeah. um so I, I think I, I bring the kind of more western way of using the mind to try and understand what was just eastern practices
0: yeah I, I love that and um I really like your recollection of growing up with your grandmothers and also um uh, your cultural upbringing and and the impact that had um my parents are from Sierra Leone and um my mum she massaged me my siblings mm-hmm. and um my daughter my nephew and you people that aren't from the background watch and they're like because it involves a lot of movement. It involves a lot of like um, pulling limbs and stretching the, the baby's body. Um, mm-hmm. And some people look and think, oh my gosh, does that hurt? And you're <laughs> like, can you see this baby? Like literally my daughter would let out the most beautiful size, occasionally a lot of wind. She was very windy mm-hmm. and then she would sleep. Um, yeah. But that was limited to babies. And I'm thinking about what you're talking about with um, – the oil in your um, body. I'm black, I have to moisturise. My skin is very dry. I'm not saying that all black people's skin is very dry, but generally we all moisturise. But, um, but it's very functional. And mm-hmm. I have to remind myself and the I'm trying to flip it so it's quite often when I'm feeling really stressed or I know I've really been neglecting myself that I actually take the time whilst I'm moisturising and sometimes I thank my body whilst I'm doing it mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the time I think to myself wouldn't that be so wonderful if that was my ordinary practice rather than waiting until I felt like I was heading towards burnout to be able to um, do it and that might lessen my hurdle towards burnout because it doesn't take mm-hmm. longer all it means is in that moment i'm moisturizing my body and that is what i'm doing i'm not thinking Mm. i've got to i've got to the next the next the next which is the kind of stuff that makes you spiral into your day
1: autopiloting yeah yeah it's i mean those little rituals are such a good way of connecting with how you're feeling on you know moment to moment Mm -hmm. giving yourself gratitude and actually that real depth of feeling rather than, you know, so much of the beauty industry is all the superficial stuff or, you know, the eyelashes and all that stuff. That, you know, that yeah, it makes you feel good on a superficial level, but it's not really being in touch with yourself. And I think I mean I turned 40 <clears throat> in June last year, and I I have really felt a difference in how I am with my well being and my skincare and everything. Not from that thing of, oh my god, I'm aging more suddenly, but more Because I really value myself, and I know that my wellness matters. You know, we um, we lost my aunt a few years ago when she turned sixty, and you know, I think, gosh, if I'm going to live only till sixty, I've only got twenty years left. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. So, so that kind of wellness from within, I think, is a really important message.
0: Absolutely. I I relate to the 40 and viewing things differently and I see things and I read things about self-care and I do think to myself um, and that's part of um, I've got um, an apothecary candle um, which is the first in a range of things that I'm working on and um, I've called it a nourish candle because Mm -hmm. I think rather than thinking about anti-aging concealing wrinkles and all of that sort of stuff how about really nourishing your body and your senses and taking the time so that your self-care really is from the outside in, inside out,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, rather than applying stuff. Um, But yeah, so um, with regards to the work that you do um, and us, we've touched on it, just now, um, about our culture that wears busyness and even stress caused by busyness as a badge of, badge of honour, um, sort of to contextualise it, um, and, and people may relate or, you know, see some similarities, um, I went to see my GP in 2017 because I was feeling really, really tired, and I realised I had to move on from the story of calling myself lazy. It wasn't just laziness because I was actually functioning, doing the things that I needed to do just with no energy. So things either took longer or although they were perceived to be to have been done well, they weren't what I thought was my best because I was really tired and low mood. I'd just been experiencing it for too long. And I went to go and see my um, GP Um well, AGP, who was of an Indian background, and I made many appointments to see her following that. And while she didn't disregard me talking about my low mood, she gave me lots of space to um, talk about that. But she also looked at previous blood tests I had, was a bit puzzled as to why nothing had been done following those blood tests um and sent me off for further blood tests and explained to me about the importance of vitamin d for everybody Mm -hmm. but particularly for people of color and the darker your skin is in a country like england where we don't get a lot of um exposure to um sunlight and um she sent me off for various blood tests and um then she had those further analysed uh, because what she was saying is there are deficiencies within our body that can manifest as low mood or they can exacerbate low mood. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I'd heard that. And she was very surprised given my blood test results from before that nothing had been done. So um, she um, prescribed vitamin D tablets, a really high level of vitamin D, they made such a difference to my life. I talked about it in a group that I joined only for a short period of time on Facebook, which was for women in their 40s. The thread, there were just so many people, women talking about um, low mood and vitamin D and how it had supported them in various ways mm-hmm. um so i just wanted to um I, it wasn't a cure all but me taking vitamin d and the doctor finding out that um my white blood cells I, I, um i had i had mild neutrophenia or neutropenia mm-hmm. um so my white blood cells were low so it's like i was always in deficit um so I wanted to speak on deficiency and well-being. What your thoughts are um, from your practice on um, the lives that we lead and deficiency, and how it impacts our well-being.
1: Symptoms like low mood or tiredness—they like medically they can point to so many different things, so thyroid issues or blood issues or iron issues, or you know the list goes on and on, mm. and. That's where I think something really comprehensive is important. So, in a case history where you kind of really ask, well, what was going on at that time? And generally, by the time you get symptoms, there's been something in place for a good few months before that. So, you know, it's relevant to know did you have a bereavement? Did you move house? Did you have any big changes? Has it been a particularly busy time of year? and also, nutrition can often be something that is an afterthought for most people. But, you know, if you're grabbing food on the go because you're so busy, nutrition is one of those basic units that doesn't really always get the attention it should do. And when there are symptoms like tiredness or mood, often people are reaching for the sugar or the kind of the quick fixes. So it starts to be like a little roller coaster going off on its own journey. Um I think people also have, when you get kind of used to giving people space, they have a sense of when did it shift? Like there's a woman that just comes to mind who has a chronic pain condition and a really reactive, you know, it's of the fibromyalgia or one of those kind of long-term chronic pain conditions. And I've asked her, you know, when did it all start? And for her, she had a very traumatic miscarriage in her early 40s a much yearned for baby that she didn't get to have, and, you know, so her heart broken and a, it's a big emotional thing that's, that set up symptoms that have been, you know, mm. so she, yes, yeah, she's having all sorts of testing done and, and looking at ways of managing it. But, there, there was something that set things off, you know, off balance. Um, so I think our stories really matter, and as as women, we're not always given the chance to actually really express what we're feeling, or sometimes our pains or symptoms can get undermined a little bit. So you know, really. Giving ourselves space to listen to what's going on in our body. And then actually, you know, if the first practitioner doesn't really listen, find another one and another one and, you know, just make sure you get heard. So I often hear this where say clients who've just had a baby and they might be having some pelvic floor symptoms and they're not sure is this normal or is it something that is to be expected and then sometimes it gets undermined of well you've just had a baby what do you expect or, you know those kind of things of like really giving people some confidence in knowing their bodies um, so I'm, I'm quite interested these days of at what age do we start to disconnect from our bodies like is it happening when children start school and they can't go to the toilet? In the middle of the class, that so they have to suppress their natural urges, or you know, how early is that happening? Or for girls, when they first get their period, like, you know, is a period celebrated or embraced, or is it like, oh no, you're going to just have pain and inconvenience now? So I, I think those little things chip away at how how our bodies kind of get Absolutely. treated, really. Absolutely. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to say <clears throat> is that. Um, one thing that i think is really important for women is knowing that we're cyclical so whether or not we have a monthly period you know if we're at that point of life of not having periods anymore or on medication that don't give periods still live by some form of monthly cycle so we're not designed to have the same output day in day out and you know there's daily seasons there's monthly seasons there's the winter the summer Mm -hmm. and our lifestyles and behaviors need to really accommodate that. So you know i've I've made my mistakes of having done a juice fast in January, which I would never do again <laughs> just when I didn't know any better. Yeah. Um, or you know nowadays the days before my period and the first few days, I really just slow it down. So I won't tend to fit in extra clients those days or maybe I'll socialize less. or you know those kind of like just being intentional with what we need, I think can make a big difference and the more subtle aspects of our well-being.
0: Absolutely. And what you're saying and um, the fact that we uh, work in seasons, you know, we are, we are natural. We are of nature. Mm-hmm. We're not the machines. Yeah. We think we are. And when I think about um, my story, when I actually took the time to pinpoint when things changed, bearing in mind I said I went to the GP in 2017 when I actually tracked it back it began in 2009 um, and 2009 is when I became more senior in my career my daughter went from being in a childminder to a nursery and I got on that treadmill and I started to run and I didn't get off mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. life just became busier and faster and also my motherhood, 2009, my daughter was two. That's when I really understood the permanence of motherhood and the fact that life, like I'd always known life had changed. I wasn't one of those people that was like, the baby's just going to slot into my life or I'm going to go back or snap back. I knew there was no back to go to, but that real understanding and then the pressure that came with that and wanting to do all the things. um, And that's when I started to become aware of me suppressing my emotions so mm-hmm. I could do. So I really be- I, I believe that my neutrophenia, neutropenia, for example, was psychosomatic. I mm-hmm. really feel like it was suppressed emotions that mm-hmm. I wasn't listening to playing out in my body. And now that I've taken the time to track things like my cycle and understand my seasons... I know that when I'm having emotional stress or difficulty communicating my emotions, within days I get something like bronchitis, laryngitis. I always get some kind of chesty, sinusy kind of um, thing. Mm -hmm. So your talk about um, connecting with your body and understanding those body niggles really spoke to me because... I think that a lot of our ailments are psychosomatic, but because we live in this system where we've got to keep do-do-doing and that's how we're worthy, we just ignore it until it becomes really big.
1: Yeah, totally. And and psychosomatic almost suggests like it's in your head rather than actually there's, you know, like nowadays there's this you know mental health is such a big buzzword and I keep on having this irritation because to me it's all the same thing like your spiritual well-being your connection to your community how much life force you have all of that comes into your physical wellness your emotional wellness your mental health so um just feeling the kind of integration or the connection of all these different things is important Mm. um and on, on a practical level things like I, I I'm learning with a teacher at the moment I've I've kind of realized a few years ago that so many things that I treat have a stress and trauma aspect that it's like unless I'm really helping people look at their stress and trauma what's the point in a way because it's just like only patching things up to treat even if people leave feeling better it's not doing the deep change work that I really want to do. And so one of the things I've been learning and, and also just the more I'm working in those fields, I'm picking up on a lot of people's stress. So I'm, you know, it's not the best way for me to stay well. Um. So I'm learning an approach to movement where you do a daily practice and it helps to just move the emotions from the body. And it's it's lovely. It's just like a five minute thing I do at the end of the day and close my eyes and I'm either standing or on my hands and knees and just let my body move so if I'm feeling angry that day I move that through my body or if I'm feeling a bit despondent and sad I'll let that be expressed Um, and I've been doing that practice I think for around six months and the difference I feel of like letting go on a daily basis is is huge so like I've got ideas of say so working in the field of birth I just feel for the midwives and the doctors that are seeing traumatic births day in day out and what do they do to actually bring themselves back to a neutral place mm-hmm. you know so I'd, I'd like to develop that work with working with groups of people that have particular situations to deal with um, and I've run workshops for grief and loss using those same tools so that to me, it's just like that is something so simple we can do. You know, we always have somewhere. We always have a bathroom. We can lock the door and just move. Yeah. So, you know, just those little places of space to kind of express.
0: I really, really like that idea because um, movement f- for sure is something that I use to get out of my head like my head is one of my favorite places and it's not always (laughs) the healthiest place to be especially when you're running stories on loop um and moving my body um definitely helps get things out of my head and just out and feeling a lot better and yeah as you say that's something that we all have the power Mm -hmm. to do um and thinking about um living in my head or people that mm-hmm. live in head or just the fact that we we have you talked earlier on about stories we have stories that we repeat and become affirmations in our heads and um when I was reading on your website where you talked about words mattering and carrying a vibration in your body so for example one of my areas that I'm working on is judgment um I've been working on it so much so that I now actually feel when I'm judging in my body, which is great because I can very quickly stop it because I know that generally when I'm judging people, I'm judging myself or judging Mm -hmm. things. Um, Can you explain why this is, like how this happens and why it's so important for us to move our words, I guess, throughout our bodies?
1: move our words through our bodies well um so the words the words matter
0: and they carry a vibration Mm. in our body yeah so if we're just having the same words on loop going round and round Mm. and like your cells feel it so it's impacting you on a really deep cellular level how does this happen and how can we start to shift away from that being a bit more mindful about the stories Mm. we tell ourselves
1: in particularly in in the fields of women women's health there's a lot of really derogatory language like incompetent cervix or untrained pelvis or you know it's old fashioned language but it's still within the kind of medical textbooks or geriatric mother or things like that um if i'm treating someone who's going through ivf you know there's often the language of failure that come you know it was a failed cycle or pregnancy failed to progress and things and so if I'm working with someone I'll always just get them you know because they're often repeating that language of something that's described to them but not realizing that it has that vibration with it so I'll often be like just shake that off or you know you you've been told you're having a low risk pregnancy even if it's low risk the word risk is in that sentence and that has a vibration so there's you know, medicine is fantastic for disease, but it's not really good at health and wellness and integration. So language is so important for for those things. So, you know, those are the more kind of illness related things, but I I think it makes a difference on the outcome hugely. So Mm -hmm. even when I've got a client who might have a medical situation and say be pregnant, there's always ways of still making a more nurtured experience or something that she's actually making decisions rather than having something done to her body um but you know it all starts with the language because that's carrying the intention and when people get more conscious of the language that they're using or that's used about their bodies I think then you know change can start to happen
0: absolutely yeah and it's a it's a practice really you talked about um you talked about um, rituals, rituals are part of practices, Um, what suggestions do you have for people to be patient and allow the time it takes? Because a friend of mine, Nicola, was talking about how um, our subconscious stunts a lot of our actions, because Mm -hmm. if we believe it on a conscious level but not a subconscious level, we can sabotage. Do you have any suggestions for to assist us to give ourselves the time and space so that we can practice so that these things become an integral part of us?
1: Yeah, um, for the, for the first instance, Daily little things that help to connect the mind and the body or just even remember that you have a body are a good idea. So, you know, do you drink enough water in the day? If you don't, get yourself a really nice water bottle and just have that visual thing of taking sips of water throughout the day. And just think of yourself, you're kind of bathing your cells with liquid and liquid is for every single chemical reaction that happens with the body, you need that nourishment. So, you know, even a tiny little act like that, it doesn't need to be 50 pound protein powders. It can be those tiny things. Um, Connecting with the senses. So particularly for women, because beauty and how we adorn our bodies or, you know, those are things that have been done for generations and generations, you know, not the kind of beauty that sells magazines, but that real just connection. So, just taking a moment to maybe like this morning I was making um celeriac soup with apple and um was putting hazelnuts and parsley on the top and just taking a little bit of a moment to like make it look nice so things like that they do you know you're doing it anyway it just takes one more second mm-hmm. or um if anyone's been watching the Murray Kondo on Netflix just the way that she folds with such beauty you know mm-hmm. these tiny things I'm not I'm not talking about that kind of extra workload that none of us really need. I'm talking about just things that make the space feel more beautiful or the connection. Um senses I'm big on because I think that's a really good way of getting present. So essential oils like eucalyptus if you just put a couple of drops of eucalyptus on the floor of the shower that helps to kind of steam up so you get like a little spa moment when mm. you're in the shower um or peppermint oil is good to just if you're feeling a bit low that day or low energy it's it's kind of raising your mood um rose water is really nice to just spray and that's you know lovely for your skin you're getting some moisture but you're also just getting a moment of you know rose is just such a healing flower to have in whatever form you're using it And rose
0: everybody (laughs) nourish a puffer carry candle has rose essential oil for that specific reason and frankincense
1: and frankincense for grounding and you know that really kind of meditative stillness Mm -hmm. that comes with that so Mm -hmm. yeah the senses so with i think especially for women with things like say either what we're eating or you know can our bodies fit into this outfit or all of that stuff becomes an external thing so actually really connecting with the senses is just like getting to know what does your body really connect to with? like what are the tastes that you really love and savor those flavors um I don't think that gets talked about in wellness enough just the kind of the depth of the senses um and One of my other tips is always just to give space because I think it's really, really difficult to become intentional, become connected if there's this constant, well, now I've got to go to this appointment and then rush to here or, you know, so, you know, how much are people saying yes to the things they really want to be doing with their time and saying no to the things, you know, I'm If I'm not really feeling doing something, I'm starting to get better at saying, you know, no, thank you. And so, like, case in point, Saturday night, my husband had a birthday dinner to go to, and I just really wasn't in the mood. And I was just pottering around. I baked some cookies. I did some tidying up. I listened to some podcasts. And it was so nice just to have some time for myself. So, um yeah, doing less of the obligation mm-hmm. and more space. And you know, that day, when you give yourself a bit of space, you might want a nap, or you might want a walk, or you might want some reading. And you don't know until you give yourself space to mm-hmm. actually check in with how you are day to day. You know, it's, it's all very well, we can do our three times a week of Pilates or whatever. And that's great to have certain routines. But I think if there's more connection, you know, how are you feeling it? it's much more what what does the body need and then giving it the right medicine
0: yeah I relate connect echo all of that and I think within that it's important for us to recognize the season we're in Mm. and adapt accordingly if you have a newborn those moments are going to be very different to if you have a 12 year old um, so it's you know I'm, I'm just thinking it's it's not about judging yourself it's about thinking about when you can create that time to be able to check in with yourself because it does play pay dividends um, later on and equally you know it's not just about in the context of parenting I know friends of mine that are you know late 30s 40s that don't have children their lives are very busy because I guess between themselves and where they're working or the business they have they feel that they have more time to be able to devote to that because they don't have the um commitment of having um, children so it's still important to think about how you can make that time and I know that um, when uh, my daughter needed more support in the mornings for example to get ready for school it meant <clears throat> it meant me waking up 10-15 minutes earlier to have that time um, or it meant popping out in a workplace where the culture was you worked through your lunchtime because you're so busy you couldn't possibly take (laughs) time off um to have lunch and just sitting in my car and having a moment in there so it's about really looking at your schedule and seeing how you can make it work for Mm. yourself
1: yeah And, and I don't have children but um I am a committed auntie and I I think that it's really important for for little ones to see the adults taking care of their needs because it's like, that's the only way that you can nurture and be present with someone is if you've had a moment for yourself. So, you know, yes, it's always great. Like a good friend of mine, she goes for a walk at six in the morning before her kids are up. You know, good for her. But also if they, you know, can actually see her taking care of herself, I think that's really important. You know, you can't always be in parent mode or kind of devoted you have to fill the well
0: because it comes becomes martyrdom when my Mm. daughter was about it was before she was three I'm sure um we were um just going to the local shops and I was in the shop carrying lots of stuff and she kept asking me for something I can't remember what it was and um I said her name in a particular tone and she said You've only got one pair of hands and a lady in the shop turned around and the look on her face was like, Good on you. But she had I'm I'm a single parent. She had to know and not just because I'm a single parent, but she had to know from very early I too am a person and I have mm. one pair of hands and I cannot respond every time as soon as she mm. wants as she wants. And I'm not just saying this because she's my child she's one of the most compassionate, she, she just allows, yeah, there are some times that she's very demanding, she's supposed to be, but there are as many times where she just allows people to be people, because she understands that everybody has needs, and that's been from very, very early. Mm-hmm. So good. yeah, it's it's, and for me, that has made me, she knows, she knows, I'm so much more connected we love to laugh there's a joke to be made out of everything at some point in time Um, and she knows that I'm much more like that when I've had my time to even if it's let me have my cup of tea coffee whatever it is in peace then I'm all yours (laughs) and she doesn't think oh my God, my mum doesn't put me first. She knows that that enables me to put her first um, Mm. without compromising myself, which, you know, I think is really, really important.
1: Do you know that book by Oliver James called Love Bombing? No. It's a really lovely book of, just when families have different setups, so whether it's a single parent family or kids with a big age difference or twins or, you know, whatever the setup. But I think of it as all relationships that, like, There's this whole thing of this busy busy all the time and it's disconnecting us from one another. So the Love Bombing book is it's really practical stuff of how people can actually make that time of connection with one another. And I think for the next generation, because technology is gonna be their entire reality, those kind of ways are gonna be even more important. Mm. Like I'm treating a lot of teenagers that you know, they're on their devices for hours and hours, their brains are working hard, but they're kind of not as able to ground or reconnect. So I I think those kind of strategies are really important.
0: That shall be in my cart as soon as we (laughs) finish, and I'll be ordering it. Um, And uh, well, I'll go to this now. Um, Please, if you were to give a busy 41 and a half year old entrepreneur a book to assist her me to create a stronger mind-body connection which book would that be
1: oh i'm gonna pick two if that's okay because i'm i think if, if we're a busy person it's kind of actually even more important to spend a little bit of time connecting with the body so um There's one that I love called Anatomy of the Spirit by Caroline Mace, M-Y-S-S. And she's a medical intuitive. She used to be a journalist and then she started getting this kind of very telepathic information about people and their wellness so she could really really pinpoint what was going on and it's written in the way of stories of different situations so that's really helpful I think we learn from stories so mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's a really nice way of um, seeing like say somebody who had a broken heart how it showed up in her health so that's a beautiful book um, and a really practical w- book for women um, I'm training with her at the moment for the type of movement that I was talking about and her name is Michaela Boehm, b-o-e-h-m and her book is called the wild woman's way mm. and kind of practical stuff of like how to create an altar how to express emotion how to organize your day being connected to your body all of mm. that kind of beginner level stuff is is great in there and also for anyone who just wants more tips and stuff so yeah.
0: brilliant thank you very much um and Please to as we draw to a close of this lovely conversation, thank you. Um please could you share three things we can start doing today um to create a stronger mind-body connection?
1: Things to do with the senses, so what feels good on your skin, you know, bamboo cotton cashmere all of those fabrics that feel nice like just when you go into a shop actually touch what you're feeling you know touch the fabrics and buy lotions and potions that feel good or smell good or have Mm. that aspect because that's that's your kind of nourishment for yourself um what else giving yourself time in nature every day um, if you can't get to nature, bring nature inside. So I was recommending to someone who's just gone back to work after mat leave that get yourself like a little mini cactus that doesn't need a lot of mm. TLC and you've just got something there of nature and bath time or shower time, like turn that into a ritual. So, you know, just really be mindful in in that those moments so just make it a, an experience for yourself each day even like for say people who might be too tired to have a bath if someone else is at home get them to run the bath for you because even that is just an act of service mm. and those little things like putting the towels on the radiator so they warm up those little things are just you know to me that's what self-care looks like you know those tiny little things that add up oh
0: it's making me feel like After this, getting in the bath, (laughs) indulging my senses, (laughs) staring at my plants. Um, Do you have any services you'd like my listeners to know about? Anything coming up that people could benefit from?
1: I've got two workshops coming up. Um, So anyone who's had... They're both London based, so anyone who's had a loss or bereavement in the last doesn't matter whether it was last year or twenty years ago, but those kind of losses that define us. I'm doing a really kind of gentle workshop that's using movement to feel and move loss through the body. Um, so that's in. I've got two: April and December mm-hmm. this year. Um, and for anyone who's trying to conceive, I'm doing a workshop at Fertility Fest, which is a month-long festival in the Barbican. And there's all sorts of speakers and events, um, and plays, and all sorts of arts to do with conception and and the kind of trials and tribulations. Um, and I'm doing a workshop to help people to connect with all the emotions that can come up at that time. You know, the kind of the sadness, the grief, the jealousy, the disappointment, all of all of that stuff in ways that they can actually move and express it.
0: Brilliant. Um, If you could please send me links, Mm -hmm. I will add those to the show notes. Um, And where can people connect with you beyond this podcast?
1: So I'm on Instagram on Avni, which is A-V-N-I, touch, Touch is pretty much the kind of boundary or the, you know, the depth of everything that I do. So Mm -hmm. touch is really important. Mm -hmm. And I'm also on Twitter as well, the same handle.
0: Brilliant. I will make sure that those are added in. Avni, it has been a really lovely conversation. um, And I'm hoping that people gain some insights that will assist them and that they can apply to their lives immediately um because you're not talking about running out self care sunday um hashtag <laughs> and going out and buying all this stuff all the things that you've talked about are things that we can literally apply right now
1: mm. I'm I'm really passionate about that because it, I think health otherwise becomes this exclusive thing that it's almost a commodity and you know if you've got your kind of posh Lululemon leggings and your kind of fancy gym membership and stuff but actually everybody needs self care it doesn't matter what their situation so those tiny tiny little things add up and you know I, I think never underestimate what tiny little actions do
0: hashtag self-care does not need to be elitist. (laughs) It is here for us all if we take Mm, this approach. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, how wonderful. Avani, thank you so much for your time. I look forward to showing this podcast episode. And um, having looked at your website, I think you'll be seeing me in person uh, (laughs) because, yeah, speaking
1: to me loudly. Oh, lovely. Thank Thank you you so much for the conversation.
0: Thank you for listening to 360 Conversations. I appreciate you sharing your precious time with my guest and I. I hope you found the episode useful. I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review my podcast. Like an increasing number of our digital experiences, the algorithms rule. Your feedback will assist me reaching a wider audience, and I'd really love to have more women being privy to or joining these conversations. The feedback I get following each episode is beautiful and tells me more women could benefit. As always, I'd love to keep the conversation going. You can join me by commenting on the podcast show notes on my website or via social media at Live360. I hope to engage with you soon. Podcast produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. Take care.